Standby like use 2 through 33, sound 1A through 7 on deck. Standby Q actors. Electrics, kill the blue run lights, please. Like you 2 and sound 1A. Go. From Arizona Theater Company, this is Hang in Focus with your host, John Daniels. Uh, as someone that grew up in Arizona, it's a great way for us to share the work that we do worldwide. And featuring co-host Janelle Bragg. That is our responsibility, is to reflect what is going on in the world. Streaming live from the State Theater of Arizona. So let's do it. Let's really use this moment to re-envision our Welcome to Hang in Focus, live with Sean Daniels. This is the new Arizona Theater Company. I'm just glad that you're here. On today's show, we welcome the producers of the Here Arizona podcast, Scott Bork and Anthony Wallace. Here Arizona is a podcast initiative dedicated to telling stories that address complex issues within our community. Here Arizona includes many voices that provide perspectives to inform our listeners. These voices are all a part of our community, providing a sense of connectedness and a firsthand understanding of the issues Arizona is facing. Here Arizona addresses issues surrounding aging and growing old in the Grand Canyon State, homelessness and housing costs, issues within Arizona's disability community and accessibility, the state of the arts and Arizona culture, and addresses issues with education in Arizona. These podcasts not only tell the stories, but they point listeners to the resources that are addressing these issues, encouraging them to make a difference. Here, Arizona, addressing issues, empowering our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hang and Focus Live. I am Chanel Bragg flying solo uh, as Sean Daniels, our regular host, is actually on vacation right now with his lovely family. Um, his daughter Vivian is getting a chance to hang out with those grandparents, and it's been a long time uh, since the pandemic. And of course, they are enjoying uh, the old mouse down in Florida. So we're really excited sending all of our love to Sean and his family. We already miss him so much, and we're looking forward to when he returns next week. Um, we are grateful also for last week's uh, Hang In Focus episode in which we were able to connect with you uh, with our executive management team, both uh, Jerry and Sean, um, and then myself coming to you and letting you know about all the wonderful shows that we have in store uh, for this upcoming season. And we are excited to share with you on future Hang In Focus episodes, what are all the additional guests that will be um, coming up to talk about the wonderful season that we have. So we'll be having directors on, music directors on, some of the people from the design team, some actors. So look forward to Hang and Focus for the upcoming weeks as we go full throttle into our season and letting you know all about it. Um, today, we have two wonderful guests that I am ecstatic uh, to bring on out. Um, and this is Scott Bork and Anthony Wallace from Here Zona. So let's Bring them out. Hello, how are you doing? Hello. Hello, good. Doing wonderful. How are you? I'm wonderful. I have to contextualize for our audience too how excited we are that we created Hang and Focus as a response to what was going on um, during the pandemic of a way to stay in touch with our audience. And so it started off with a couple of concepts and it's grown exponentially since this with the amazing uh, team that we have here at Arizona Theater Company that really like put all their brain power into making this a formal podcast slash talk show medium. And you are the first guest to ask us to be on the show. So we are so grateful to your interest. Um, and, and as you know, I we bow down to you because you really are the two podcast geniuses in Arizona that really genuinely know you know, how what you're doing, we're trying, and you've been doing it expertly for such a long time. So thank you for caring enough about wanting to be on our show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for here. having us. Thanks for having we, us. Uh, I, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with what I saw Arizona Theater Company doing. We featured them a couple of times on the podcast. And so we've been following what you've been doing, and we've been a fan of it. So we're, we're excited to be here. Thank you. Well, we're excited to have you mm -hmm. here. So um, I think I read somewhere that y'all are locals. Is that correct? Yes. Born and raised in uh, the Valley of the Sun. 
Yes. Okay. So I want to dive into that just a little bit because I am a local girl. And actually, Sean is from, from Mesa as well. So there's a lot of deep Arizona love with Arizona Theater Company. And that's a state theater. We should have that. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. We'll start off with you, Scott. Uh, where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school, college? So I grew up in uh, South Scottsdale, a couple blocks away from Papago Park. Um, I ended up going to Arcadia High School. Um, go Titans, I guess. It's been a long time. Um, and then NAU for college, ASU for grad school, uh, for master's in journalism. I got to shout Cronkite out too. And uh, now I'm working here at Here Arizona doing the podcasts. I'm screaming. So my alma mater is NAU as well. So I was class of all Lumberjacks, and I was in the electronic media broadcasting program there too. So we both spent so, a lot of time in that comm building. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely. I'll have to pick your brain about what instructors are still there. Um, and then Anthony, tell us a little bit about where you're from here too as well. Well, it sounds like we all have a very similar story then. Um, I grew up in Gilbert. I went to Seton Catholic High School in Chandler and we played, uh, we played Arcadia sports scott and then i also Probably went to NAU. a lot <laughs> yeah we did we, we did pretty well um and then uh, i also went to nau oh my goodness yep so I NAU studied... is endorsing this podcast right now yeah I, you could say that be. yeah <laughs> um i studied philosophy at nau and then um spent some time um in a band touring and it's still based out of Phoenix. And then uh, I went to Cronkite also for graduate school. So Arizona, between Flagstaff and, and Phoenix my whole life. Now, that's the one thing I didn't do was go to Cronkite. So maybe I'll do that <laughs> as well. <laughs> I can join the ranks. That's really exciting. Um, I have to ask because I, I think you all know that I sing with Phoenix Afrobeat Orchestra. And if you don't know, then I, I am a part of that band. Uh, what band do you play with, Anthony? Uh, well... We're uh, we're now defunct, sadly, but we, we were called uh, Flight of Ryan. But oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen Phoenix Afrobeat Orchestra a bunch of times. I'm a big fan of what you all do, and we we were happy to feature them on the podcast, and hopefully we will some you know in the future going forward. For sure, yeah, Camille and Sledge was a wonderful interview, and it was a mm -hmm. great to get to just hear what you all play and get to include that in the podcast. Mm -hmm. For sure. And we actually, for our audience, um, we had Camille Sledge on uh, around the realness when we put up that digital presentation um, because Camille is such a heavy hitter with the School of Hip Hop and all of her contributions to the community uh, with that show being Hip Hop in Nature. She was an easy fit to have her as a guest feature read on our podcast as well. So a uh, shout out to Camille Sledge if you're, if you're watching. Um, and also for any... Um, one shameless plug that is interested, Phoenix Afrobeat Orchestra is performing at the Van Buren on June 4th. And so it will be our first live in venue uh, concert since the pandemic. So hopefully we will uh, have y'all there in attendance and some of our patrons as well. Definitely. I it now. <laughs> okay, so then we're gonna get um, one last local bit of love because I think this is important. Mm -hmm. um, where, what is your favorite like haunt? Like your favorite entertainment venue, favorite bar, favorite like place to eat? Anthony, I'll let you go first on that one. Um, I mean, I have a lot, but I guess entertainment venue wise, Valley Bar and Crescent are are the are the best. I love Van Buren too. I live right down the street from Van Buren. Um, oh. One of our one of our episodes actually, um, episode three of the series was about independent venues, small venues in Arizona and how they were a part of this large national movement to um, get federal funding to save independent venues across the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I do actually enjoy them in my um, real life. Um, but then food-wise, I probably have to say Pizzeria Bianco, um, yes. which is legendary for good reason, lives up to the hype. Absolutely. And and shout out to Charlie, too, who is the uh, manager and well, manager. He owns both Valley Bar Crescent Ballroom mm -hmm. and 
Van Buren, and I'm so grateful to him uh, and those three spaces because I frequent them also. And also it gives a place for my band to play. Um, and also I did a partnership with him and Live Nation where we did the Alexander Project, which was a Hamilton tribute band that he gave a home to at the Van Buren and the Crescent. So look, yeah. thankful for those venues, right? Because they, they allow us to really flourish that way in the entertainment sector. And Scott, what about you? You know, at the risk of repeating everything Anthony just said, um, I'm really excited to be holding a beer in the basement of, uh, um, I'm already losing it, the basement of Valley Bar. Uh, mm -hmm. It is the basement. Yeah, the basement of yeah. Valley Bar. Just watching a show there. It's been so long since I've been there. I've already forgotten. But that's one of my favorite places. Um, and then in terms of food, it's also a pizza place. It's called DeVito's on 52nd Street in Thomas. Um, ate there all the time growing up. It's just this tiny little hole in the wall place. But uh, it doesn't get more local than that. Okay, I love that. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So our, our patrons can know like from the locals themselves, like where you can go if you are interested in finding some new places. Um, and so we're going to get right into it. So here's Zona. Please tell me, how did it get started? Uh, what was the birth child? How long it's been a podcast platform? And if you can give like an elevator pitch of exactly what like it covers, I think a lot of people will run to your platform to check it out. Yeah, totally. Um, so our slogan, our catch uh, phrase is addressing issues and empowering the community. Um, the thing podcasts have that issues don't is that podcasts have a voice. Um, issues themselves don't have a voice. They need someone to you know, speak for them. And that's what podcasts are really effective with. Um, with storytelling, we can use our own voices and the voices of experts and community members and you know, people in nonprofits and the people affected by these issues to talk about the issues. Um, here, Arizona was gifted a grant from the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust a couple of years ago. Um, so far, we've done seasons or series on aging issues. Uh, the wonderful KJZZ reporter Kathy Ritchie did a great series on aging. Um, our producer, Jay McAuliffe, did a series on disability accessibility. Um, I've done series on homelessness. Uh, Catherine Davis Young has done series on housing. Anthony's done the arts. I've done education. But the brainchild behind Here Arizona, um, specifically with podcast two, is in broadcast radio, you have about four minutes to tell a story maximum. Podcast, there is no real maximum time. So you can really get the depth of storytelling. You can speak to more people. You can have a much broader and much more deep dive on issues than you can with radio. Um, so we got the grant from Nina Mason Pulliam um, and it came to the uh, Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which is uh, KJZZ, the newsroom, KBOC, the uh, classical music station, um, Sun Sounds of Arizona, which is a reading service for the blind. Basically, they read you know newspapers and other stuff on the radio for the blind. Mm -hmm. And so we added Here Arizona to that, which is our uh, you know depth podcast service that you know seeks to give a deep dive on local issues. That is incredible. And you said it's only been instituted for a couple of years. Like, Yeah. So I joined uh, here, Arizona in November of 2019, and I had started work on the third series. So there were two series. You know, no, I lied. I started on the fourth series. There was the um, aging series before me, the accessibility series and the uh, affordable housing series. That is so it's so been around just over two years. Okay, great. And and then yeah. Anthony, so when did you get involved with Arizona? Uh, yeah, I started at the beginning of this year. So I just graduated from Cronkite um, and was very happy to, to start working on this project. I love podcasts. I love long form storytelling. Um, and yeah, like I think Scott said it really well. I mean, what we try to do is, you know, we're all vaguely aware of these issues that that exist in our community, whether it's homelessness or um, arts, you know, so, uh, lack of funding for the arts. Um, so what we try to do is really find the, the people that have, you know, personal stories that can illustrate those issues and then find, and then we're also really focused on solutions. So we're, we're looking for the nonprofits that are really working to make, make those issues better. And so um, what we try to do is, you know, have people emotionally connect to these issues. And then hopefully if you, if you're, you know, really interested and um, you want to do something after you hear our podcast, we also provide all these links to these organizations that are, that are trying to fix the problem. Um, and also 
just want to shout out the Virginia G. Piper Charitable Trust that thanks to them, uh, we're able to do this art series. Um, they support support the arts uh, project. And um, yeah, we just hope that we can spread awareness for you know these these things and give people a deeper understanding of them and and the organizations that are really like working to try to make a difference. And real quick, I do want to emphasize we are entirely nonprofit. Um, all of our funding comes from grants and donors. So, you know, Intel, the F Squared Family Foundation, Nina Mason Pulliam, Virginia G. Piper, all of these organizations make this possible to do good nonprofit journalism like this. That is so cool. I'm not as familiar with Nina Mesa Pulliam, but I'm assuming, isn't that uh, connected to the Arizona Republic at some point, the Pulliam family? I know that the Pulliam family has a connection to the Republic. I can't really speak to that, but I believe yeah, there is some yeah. sort of connection there. Yeah. No joke. Talking about deep Arizona roots, my grandmother was affiliated with the family for many, many years uh, as one of their main uh, caretakers, uh, you know, on the grounds of their house and stuff like that. So I used to go to the house and clean them with my grandma when I was a little girl. So I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder uh, I should reach out to the Pulliam family. That's really exciting. Um, okay, great. And so as far as the local arts section, so what I hear from Arizona, you cover lots of different beats, right? Which I think are really wonderful. And a lot of the beats though are primarily um, centric to the community, centric to what's important, whether it's economic sustainability or it's like highlighting. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about that, like with the here, the, the local arts program specifically now, and I think this is your beat, right, Anthony? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so um, what were you hoping uh, to to share with your podcast? Like what kind of light during, especially as of now, like the different people that have been fighting through trying to survive during the pandemic, a lot of your interviews as of now, right, is coming out of it. And do you feel mm -hmm. like there's a big change in a lot of the content um, from the from the different interviews that you've had as you're now moving toward the future where we're getting back to normalcy a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has. Things have changed a lot since I started working on this in January. Um, yeah, just a couple months ago, there was really zero events of any kind happening. Um, so it was all about how are how are you adapting to COVID? How are you staying staying alive? Because you know, a lot of what we were looking at, um, kind of in the like the real like dark days of the pandemic, was just like how many of these arts organizations and venues are going to be able to survive because mm -hmm. they were, they had, they take, they had taken huge hits to their revenue. Um, I mentioned we had the episode all about small venues. Um, there is a, uh, a big poll that they did um, at, in the very early part of the pandemic that found that 90% of independent venues across the U S were going to close. They were oh, in wow. danger of closing. And so it's just, kind of, you know, trying to ask, like, what would that be like? What would our, what would a country without these places, with, with, without nine out of 10 Crescent Ballrooms or Valley Bars or Rebel Lounges, like, what, what would that be like? Like, what kind of effect would that have on our culture? I think it would be, it would be big. And then, yeah, beyond venues, um, theaters, museums, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of the same story with all of them. I mean, a, a a bigger stat is they said 40%, one organization found that 40% of all nonprofits were going to go out of business um, due to COVID. And it's it's probably not that bad. It's probably not going to end up being that bad, um, but it still posed like a huge existential threat to nonprofits of all kinds, um, and especially arts organizations that rely on events, because those were obviously... Uh, you know, completely taken away. Um, so yeah, we were just trying to highlight, you know, how they're how they're adjusting, how they're fighting to stay alive, and then all the while trying to show why they're so important. And basically, you know, how bad it would be if like if these places didn't exist anymore in our in our community and across our state. Absolutely. I was listening to one of your podcasts, predominantly the one, of course, that featured Camille Sledge, right? But you had a bunch of different 
uh, guest on for that particular conversation. And one of them also was David Hemphill from the Black Theater Troupe. And it was so nice to hear like the rich history involved in why the theater troupe became in existence in the first place. And it really was, I thought uh, David did a really good job of breaking down like the difference between earned income and contributed income and how with the pandemic and everything that has happened, how that has shifted, like even the business model. And, you know, I think Vincent Van Vliet from Phoenix Theater was saying that like 60 to 70%, I think is what was said in your podcast, of their um, uh, revenue is generated from ticket sales. And so when you don't have that, you know, then there's a very real fear of losing, um, you know, that kind of venue. That's one of those not-for-profits that could have easily not not sustained or been here after the pandemic. So it does take, you know, uh, people that are watching like you, thank you for supporting Arizona Theater Company. Um, but your donations really do make a difference. Uh, because that's all that a lot of these organizations, including like the museums, that's how they were able to handle the operating costs. So that's, yeah, that's wild. Thank you for highlighting that. Um, Scott, I would, I would like to ask you, so with the different guests that you've had on, uh, specifically related to this though, what was the one company that you felt really was um, unique in their approach to the pandemic and how they were handling maneuvering? You know, I don't I, could, I don't even know if I could call it a company, but it was uh, the Snood Men, the Snood City Art Collective uh, on Grand Avenue. Um, my cousin actually worked with them. That's how I knew to reach out to them. He reached out to me, he was like, hey, these guys might be worth profiling. And what they do is they have a space on Grand Avenue um, and it is an arts collective. You pay, you know, $100 a month or so, and you have access to the space to create your art, create your sculpture, whatever you want. And so I think that that might be, you know, especially innovative in the you know age of the pandemic, especially as it's going out. But it gives people who might not otherwise have the space the opportunity to go and create and do something with art, you know. I think something that stops a lot of people is, you know, I don't have a big space to create sculpture. I have this in my mind, but I don't have the room at my house. So for $100 a month, you can access that space. And I think that is, you know, A, it's business. They're making money. They're covering their expenses and they're expanding access to arts to anybody that wants it, essentially. That's wonderful. And for the both of you, I mean, it's such an honor, right? When somebody reaches out to you and, and you're like, you want to interview me? Like, <laughs> why me? Um, but I guess my question is like, how have your guests reacted to being reached out to just in general, but also let's talk about this year because this year has been heavily involved with you know, we've had some pretty significant milestones in the last year, whether or not we're talking about the pandemic or talking about being an election year. We're talking about this this social justice, you know, turn of our country that's having to deeply reflect on some of the ways that we're broken. Um, so how has that like react? How has that reaction with those guests been about your initial reach out and to kind of share how they're feeling, what they're going through? It's definitely been a uh, quite a year to be a journalist. Um, because of everything that you mentioned. And I hope that our guests uh, feel the way that you just <laughs> described, that they're honored, that, oh, we get to be, get to be on the podcast. Um, I, think, I think a lot of them do, do feel that way. Um, I just try to, I mean, whatever, whatever it is I'm, I'm doing as a journalist, I try to just be honest with people and you know tell them what we're doing what this story is about what our goal is like scott said at here arizona we do have a goal which is to make people you know understand these issues like on a on a much more like a much deeper and more personal level to really like emotionally feel how they impact people's lives and um and then to show them you know these are the like i said earlier these are the organizations that are trying to to help with these things um and i think that if we um if we do that they're they're happy to to participate you know we're, we're just trying to you know we think they're doing a great job that's why we want them to be on the podcast so we just think more people should know about what you're doing um so yeah i think so far it's been pretty it's been it's been good i think we've all been on the same page and people have been happy to to share their stories and we're just trying to amplify them however we can. 
you know, a lot of the arts organizations I spoke to when I first started doing the State of the Arts podcast was, you know, you want to feature us? Why us? Um, and I think the more Anthony's gotten into it, the more, you know, they've been, of course, us. So I think the I think the mood has definitely shifted positively the past few months. Definitely. Thank you for that. I just, I don't know. I know as a, as a podcast creator ourselves, right. And also uh, on this medium on Facebook, it has been real interesting to us about what are the stories that we want to tell too. Like before I came on, cause I just joined the team back in July. So kind of like you, Anthony, I was newer to this, uh, this uh, train that was already going. And although like, I'm grateful uh, that as an executive producer on this, I've been able to influence a little bit of how we've grown. Um, but the team that was here before you, so shout out to the Arizona Theater Company team, uh, was already doing such great work. And like even our beginning model, which was kind of hang and focus, which is a play on the lighting, like, you know, in theater, how you hang and you focus the lights, but also to the idea of let's hang and have a fun conversation, but let's also focus on some very serious issues that are going on. And so from all the different guests that we've had and we've, we've invited, I feel like we've done just that where we have a wide variety of different conversations that need to be had. And I brought that up because I know how the past years shaped me as a host. Um, so my question is, how do you think the past year has shaped your conversation, Scott? You know, being a podcast host, what and about like what conversations you're excited to have or you want to have that are maybe more important now than it would have been three years ago. So needless to say, the past year has brought a lot of problems that were sitting, you know, below the surface back up to the surface. So now we can kind of see that there are these all sorts all sorts of these problems. Um, over the summer, I produced I was working on the uh, homelessness series. And at the height of um, all of the police brutality protests, the Black Lives Matter protests last year, um, I actually heard a story on NPR about the misdemeanor justice system. And mm -hmm. it's um, the way it kind of traps people in, you know, a cycle of punishment for crimes that are, are they really crimes? Is falling asleep in an alley really a crime? Right. And so that led me to interview several legal scholars, law professors, public defenders, and then create part of my series on homelessness about how the misdemeanor justice system traps homeless people in a net of, you know, say you are homeless, you're sleeping in an alley, the owner of the building calls the police, they have no choice but to arrest you because technically you are breaking a misdemeanor law. They lose everything you have with you. They're not going to let you keep your shopping cart full of stuff. And then you go to jail and they're like, well, bail's only $50. But if you're homeless, you might not have $50. So you're sitting in jail waiting trial. It's a whole cycle. And just that event of the past year has made me, you know, consider what actually needs to be reported on and made me consider new voices like legal scholars, public defenders, you know, in news, you really only hear from the prosecutor and the police, but finding a public defender willing to share their story, I think is a, a big step forward for addressing issues right. in any level. Yeah. I could only agree. And I feel like, like for someone, I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about um, philanthropy. And so even you indicating that, I, that's something I didn't even know to think about. And that's why podcasts are so important because it shed, it brings to light like that $50 bill. Then maybe someone hears that from your podcast and says, okay, well, I'm going to create this foundation into which then we can pay the $50 for different mis misdemeanors that happen. So that way we're setting up you know, people to for success as opposed to seeing them, you know, kind of sucked by this, excuse me, but like ruined by the system per se. No, definitely. And that's kind of why we exist. You know, a good journalist is able to address the issues. I think we are able to address the issues. But on top of that, because of the nature of our work, we're able to highlight, you know, these types of foundations, which, you know, gives people the power to say, oh, I find this issue serious. This foundation is helping. I can either help that foundation or, you know, change their perspective entirely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you definitely have my my brain going. <laughs> I'm already Thank thinking you. like, wow, how can I how can I be a part of that change? Right. Um, and so thank you for highlighting that very important work. Is there a particular subject that you haven't covered yet? And this is to the both of you that you haven't covered yet that you're excited to cover for local issues and we have some ideas bouncing around. Anthony, did you have one? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, tons of tons of ideas. I think, like, I mean, 
I guess my uh, general uh, philosophy on it is there's there are so many more good stories out there than there are journalists or people to tell them. Like there's no shortage mm -hmm. of good stories. There's no shortage of important topics. Um, and I mean, yeah, I guess kind of going on what Scott Scott was saying I, last year, I, during the summer of last year, I was covering juvenile justice at Cronkite. Mm -hmm. So I got to learn a lot about the justice system, um, policing and things like that. And then also over the past year, I've done a lot of um, Native American coverage, um, mm -hmm. Indian country stories going to the Navajo Nation. Um, and I think like like across, you know, one thing that I see that I heard a lot from, that I've heard a lot from Pete, from Native Americans um, of all different tribes is that they feel less invisible. They, a lot of times they would, they would refer to themselves as the invisible race. People don't, a lot of people literally don't even know that they exist. They think that they're just from history and they don't, you know, they're not even really around anymore. And so they feel like, you know, from everything that's happened in the last year, um, just a rising kind of awareness of social justice issues generally has really helped them too. And I think like art plays a huge role in that process. It's like art is just mm -hmm. an amazing way to, to learn about anything um, and to increase awareness about anything. It just does something that, um, you know, words alone can't. So it seems like there's, there's a good amount of optimism and so, you know, whatever we do, I just hope that we can continue the, uh, you know, the momentum in the right direction. I love that. Well, and this last year, too, has really helped us understand uh, how adversely a lot of our marginalized populations were being affected by COVID and specifically on the reservation, right? Mm -hmm. How many of our indigenous brothers and sisters were so heavily impacted by that as well. Um, so thank you for shedding light <laughs> um, in those areas because I think that that education is absolutely needed. Um, even down to like, we were like, okay, like it's, I feel like everyone's now acknowledging, you know, land acknowledgements before meetings and stuff like that. It just, there has been a resurgence of trying um, a people at least seeming like they're trying to be better in these areas. Mm -hmm. uh, but the more we can highlight and shed light on, on issues and within the community and in different areas that are of interest, like the reservation that are literally um, in our community and that we can highlight some of those. So thank you for your work. That's, I just gotta make sure that I say that. Um, so I wanna shift this conversation just a little bit. So the first, like I said, a little bit of hang, a little bit of focus. Um, I am actually really interested in, and I understand the way that the pandemic has, it has birthed, I feel like a new generation of podcast makers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I feel like there's lots of different people that are out there, but but even now still, I hear when people ask us about hang and focus, they're like, well, how'd you get started? Or like, what, what would you recommend? And so. I kind of wanted to go into that. So my first question for you is like, for both of you, because now that I know that we all have the same journalism background, <laughs> typically, mm -hmm. right? Um, why podcasting specifically is the medium in general that kind of you gravitated toward? And how has this platform helped you personally um, just be connected with each other, with the community, pandemic or not? Just how have mm -hmm. you felt like this medium has really supported you? Yeah, I'll I'll start by yeah. I mean, like I like I said earlier, I was in I was I am a musician. I was in a band for a long time. That was kind of my main thing. So I did a ton of music production, audio production. So I like just working with sound, um, for one. And then I've loved I just love podcasts. Um, I love you know long form journalism generally. Um, podcasts like Radio Lab and Freakonomics were kind of like my original loves. Um, and those are podcasts that are about, uh, you know, learning and discovery and wonder. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, I like working with sound, A, and B, I love the flexibility that podcasts have. Like Scott said, when we're making something for the radio, we're very constricted um, with the amount of time. It's, uh, you know the airwaves it's it's precious each second is precious so we get some more room to breathe when we're making podcasts and we can really like develop characters and like learn 
who people are and what they're going through and dive into these things with a lot more depth. So you're doing your own editing as well. Uh, so you're like capturing and editing and, and all the good stuff. Yeah, we're uh, one man bands. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I used to call it that one man banding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And Scott, how about you? Uh, well, similar to Anthony, um, I can't really recall what happened, but I think, you know, when I was in graduate school, I think we were assigned to produce a radio story and I just found I liked gathering sound and turning it into something that, uh, you know, was engaging to an audience member. And so I took a couple of more, you know, advanced audio production classes and radio reporting classes and found I really liked it. Um, before school, even, I was doing, you know, video journalism. And I think my favorite part about telling a video story is the sound that you get to include. You know, I think one of my instructors years ago was like, you know, video without audio is just surveillance footage. It's, it's kind of, you know, meaningless. Um, and so, I mean, audio is what makes video. So you can do have the same effect with audio, I think. So I got into audio journalism, um, did a couple of uh, long form audio documentaries as like my grad school uh Capstone, I guess. We didn't really do theses, Capstone. Um, and then I got a part-time job at KJZZ and they said, you know, you like what you do. Do you want to come do podcasts for us? So I've been doing that for the past year and a half. That is incredible. And so the the theater artist in me also is kind of like, I bet both of you be really great at Foley because you understand like, you know, sound and how to enhance and use that to enhance a presentation and stuff like that. Have you done Anything in the arts as far as sound is related in that way? I mean, personally, I haven't done any Foley. I always thought it would be cool. I remember, you know, high school learning what it was. Like, wow, that's cool. And then never worked out, but I think it'd be definitely fun to try. Maybe there's a potential collaboration with, you know, a particular theater. <laughs> but no, but, yeah, yeah, it might be interesting. Uh, very cool. Um, and so as far as like getting started, so yeah, both of you went to school for it. So I understand that you did have like some tools and there's some resources. But like I said, this is the day and age where a lot of people are like, I got something to say and I'm starting a podcast. Um, so what challenges did you kind of face starting out? So maybe as a student, more so because like as you're working, you have a lot of things at your fingertips, but like what are some of the challenges that you face uh, starting up? Um, and what would be like a startup kit that you recommend for people that are in the earlier stages of podcasting? I think the, the number one challenge of podcasting at this point is sticking out. Um, I think podcasts is a, a, about to, you know, to where the, to where music is, where there are so many good bands. There are so many good musicians. It's, it's just all about, you know, getting your, your name out there, reaching people. So I think the the biggest challenge of starting a podcast is just kind of knowing like who your audience is and how you can reach them. Um, and yeah, tailoring, you know, tailoring what you're doing for people, bringing value to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the barrier to entry, like practically is very, very low, which is great. It's like, recording music, all you really need is a microphone, a USB microphone and plug it into your, to your computer. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, get, getting that work out there after you do that, I think is the biggest challenge. To piggyback off that, you know, you say you just need a microphone. That's really all you need. You don't need a big million dollar studio. For the past year, since March of 2020, I've been recording in my closet. Um, in a little cardboard box, I stapled some uh, foam egg crate to it. I put my microphone in that and that's my sound booth. Um, anybody can do that. Anybody can really enter this field. Like Anthony says, it's standing out. So then um, encouraging someone to find their niche, like, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like already, because I know you both are locals, because I kind of get the vibe of like how you feel personally about community um, issues and, and stuff like that. I feel like you found a niche that was perfect for the both of you. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn saying that, but feel very comfortably and passionately speaking about a lot of the subject matters that you cover. Uh, so how do you encourage someone to figure out like what is that thing that would drive them to create a podcast? I mean, I would say personally, you know, find something you're passionate about. Um, if you're passionate about theater, you might not do well in a podcast about 
craft beer. If you're passionate about craft beer, you probably shouldn't be starting a podcast about theaters. Um, so something you're passionate about, and you should really focus on narrowing it. Um, I teach a freshman journalism class at ASU, and we do a podcasting exercise. And something I make them do is every time they come up to an idea, I make them narrow it. And they get really frustrated because they're like, it's so narrow as it is, but you can make it more narrow. You can make it more narrow. And for me, I think finding the niche is getting really down into the nitty gritty. You know, your podcast is not about craft beer. It is about IPAs from the West Coast. Like you have to really narrow down to find a niche. At least that's what I teach people. No, I like that because I think sometimes and I've thought about having my own personal you know, podcast. I feel like mine just ends up being so broad. Right. Like I want to cover and talk about everything. And so then you do run into that risk of saying, well, then what is it really about? And like, how do you even put a genre on the type of podcast if it's just so open? Yeah, I think Definitely. narrowing it is. Yeah, that's a huge thing. I think a lot of people kind of uh, fall to that temptation to kind of make it about everything like um yeah what scott said about narrowing i just i came to mind as i i always remember i had this uh conversation with a podcaster who works for a production company but he has his own podcast it's about fly fishing so it's like mm. that's like how narrow and i actually something i've thought about before which i think is a pretty good way to like figure out what you're passionate about or identify that is just think about like what you talk about the most when you're with your friends with your good friends that you feel comfortable with like what do you end up ranting about more than anything else um i i think that's a good way to uh that's that's how i like to try to come up with my stories too is just tell people about what i'm reporting on and then however i say it kind of make reveals to me what the best parts of that are. Well, as we're starting to wrap up, I do want to know, so a couple of fun questions. What would your dream podcast be that you'd want to create? So like, aside from what your job is, and don't get me wrong, I actually think the podcast you are doing is kind of a dream uh, because of how um, connected you are to the, to the content. But what is a dream podcast about anything it could be about that you would put on? I want to travel to every small town in the U.S. and find out what makes that town unique and then do a podcast about that. Not every small town in the U.S., but travel to small towns in the U.S. and find out what makes them unique. I like that. If any funders are watching, <laughs> maybe you could have some funders that. Yeah. <laughs> any travel, the travel company, travel channel. That's really cool, Scott. Yeah. And, and how about you, Anthony? Uh, that's a good one, actually. I think there. I actually think there should be more travel podcasts. I don't think that there's enough good ones. Um, but I want to do something. I want to. I, I want to to travel to Latin America, specifically Venezuela, and do a story about Venezuelan um, migrants. My hope is that um, in the next few years things will improve there, and the country will start rebuilding, um, like a good. 20% or more of their population has left within the past 10, 15 years. Um, so I think it would be really interesting. I have a good friend there and we stay in touch. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to go there if and when things turn around, hopefully soon, and document how what that's like, you know, for everyone to come home and kind of rebuilding back to what it was. Wow, that is actually so. Both of you need to be sponsored by the Travel Channel, is what you're saying. <laughs> Won't turn it down. Yep. For sure. Um, okay, and then along that line, what? Who would be your dream guest then? For mine, my dream guest would be a person who is passionate about their small town. Uh, somebody who is excited to tell me and tell my audience why their town is the coolest town in the country. Okay. And I actually didn't mean related to that podcast specifically, but I feel oh. like that'll still be your answer. <laughs> it's still my answer. <laughs> and Anthony, not related to your podcast, uh, but related to your podcast. Who would be all right. Well, completely unrelated to my podcast, I guess. I would like to uh, have a conversation with uh, Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend. He has uh, an, Apple, an Apple radio show, Beats One radio show that I love. And I'm a fan of his band, so that'd be fun. 
Wonderful. Um, so before we go, we always ask our guests to give us a word. Now that word encompasses where you are in this moment, how you feel it could be in relation to Zona and your podcast. It could be about the pandemic or it could be about just how you're feeling today. Uh, we would like to leave one of one of uh, leave you both uh, with giving us a word that we could share with our with our audience today. Anthony, take us away. <laughs> All right. Um, I think the word I would choose is story or stories, I don't, whatever form. But I, I just, um, yeah, I think like what we do, what you know, what we've been talking about, it's just it comes down to the power of stories. Like it's the difference between, you know, Scott was talking about homelessness. It's, it's the difference between like hearing someone say a stat about homelessness or seeing a homeless person on the side of the road. Um, and like hearing their story, how they got there, everything that led them there, this $50 ticket, and then hearing, you know, all the, the policy and politics behind, you know, why that's the way it is and the way the, uh, you know, housing market in Phoenix is developing. So mm -hmm. I just think there's a, a, a real power to that. And stories are just about like, you know, as fundamental a human thing as anything, as long as there's been civilization and there's been mythology and stories and and uh, it's just kind of like how humans you know make sense of the world and that's what that's what we try to do i don't think we've had story on the podcast just yet so i'm so that's wonderful and scott uh, this might be another word you've never had before uh, i'm okay. going to say mindset um the reason i like doing this this podcast is because um it gives us the ability to help people shift their mindsets. A lot of the people I've spoken to after they listened to the homelessness series, they were very much like, you know, I just thought homelessness was a personal failing. Either they were lazy or they were addicts. And mm -hmm. after listening to the series, they came away were like, oh, you know, there are all sorts of, uh, you know, external factors that those individuals might not be able to control. The whole point of the podcast shifted my mindset. So I think we at Here Arizona, have the ability to help people challenge their assumptions and shift their mindsets. I love that. And you're right. That hasn't been said. And we've had quite a few words. Thank you both so much. I'd be remiss not to leave the rest of this broadcast with you plugging your amazing podcast. So please uh, let the people know how to check you out, your social media handles, you, you know, Arizona's a way to listen to Arizona. So like, Take it uh, away. So our main website is uh, herearizona.org, and that's H-E-A-R Arizona. You can find us on Twitter, uh, Spotify, NPR One, Stitcher. Um, Anthony, am I forgetting any? Yeah, wherever wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Um, you can search State of the Arts. That's the, the series that I'm working on. Um, Scott's. My uh, current series I'm working on has to do with the K-12 education system in Arizona. It's called The Education Cliff. Um, Unsheltered was the homelessness one, all sorts of different series to check out. Awesome. And your personal Instagram or Facebook, if people want to contact you both directly? Um, personal Twitter is uh, Scott Bork. Uh, my handle, I think, is S-D-B-O-U-R-Q-U-E-1. Awesome. And I, yeah, on Twitter, I'm Anthony J. Wallace. I tweet facts every, every day. <laughs> that's, my, that's my thing interesting facts so if you want those and and then of course all of the here arizona stuff and the other journalism that i do you can find there wonderful thank you both for being amazing guests thank you for reaching out to us because then you introduced to me a podcast that i didn't know of before you guys reached out to us and i've been able to listen to uh, quite a few of your podcasts in preparation for this but also though it really made me excited to just know about this amazing medium that um i didn't know about before and thank you of course for highlighting my band and camille and all the great stuff and thank you for what you're doing for the community truly Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate how you having us on. Awesome. Yeah, so Thank you so much. Now, as far as uh, what we have coming up, um, we are grateful. So, Sean, we'll be on vacation the next couple of uh, of weeks. So, you will have yours truly helping uh, hold down the hang and focus. Um, we're excited for next week because we have a special hang and focus that will really highlight all of our educational department under the beautiful direction of Jasmine Roth. And so, we'll be covering over uh, the last year of what has been with our ATC teens, uh, you know, our summer on stage 
stage. There's a lot of really great things we'll be covering next week and our next week's podcast uh, and episode of Hang and Focus. So we can't wait for you to join us next week and stay tuned for this week's call board. Until next time, have a good day. This is your call board for May 21st through the 27th, 2021. Hi, I'm Will Rogers, Community Engagement Manager at Arizona Theater Company. We hope you call it this week's show where Chanel sat down with Here Arizona podcast producers, Scott Bork and Anthony Wallace, and talked about their podcast and their series on the state of the arts in Arizona. And if you didn't catch last week's show, we encourage you to do so. We announced our 2021-2022 season and talked through those shows. So there's some great content there. Check it out if you missed it. Now let's head on over to development and find out what's happening in the Giving Corner. Hi, everybody. My name is Stacy J. Cavalier, and I'm your development events manager here at Arizona Theater Company. The staff at ATC has been working so hard to prepare for our return to the theater this fall. We have an exciting season ahead and we cannot wait to share it with you and see you all back at the theater in Phoenix and Tucson in fall 2021. I have another important announcement that I'm so excited to share with you. What a better way to celebrate our 54th season than at our, at our annual gala event. We've moved it to the spring, so save the date for March 12th, 2022, ATC's annual gala a celebration of 54 seasons held at the historic Temple of Music and Art in downtown Tucson. Once again, save the date, March 12th, 2022, ATC's annual gala, celebration of 54 seasons. More details are forthcoming, so keep an eye out on our website and our social media. And we'll see you back at the theater this fall and in the spring at our annual gala. Thanks, y'all. Have a good weekend. It's time to find out what's happening in theaters around Arizona. We'll start in Phoenix this week where Arizona Broadway Theater brings us Godspell, composed by Stephen Schwartz through June 13th and COVID-19 protocols are observed. You can find out more about that at azbroadwaytheater.com and Spotlight Youth Theater has Shakespeare's classic A Midsummer Night's Dream adapted by Kenny Grossman and that plays through May 23rd. So there's some time to check that out still. And that's a streaming event. S-Y-T-A-Z.org is where you'll get all the information on that. Now, headed down to Tucson, we don't have any theater listings for you this week, but we did want to give a special shout out to our friends over at the Tucson Museum of Art. Their exhibition of Latin American folk art is ongoing, so please go over and check that out. Uh, COVID-19 protocols are observed, and Tucson Museum of Art.org is where you get information on all of their exhibitions. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions or want more information on anything that we've discussed, please head on over to ArizonaTheater.org for more info on it all. You can also head over to our Facebook or Instagram page, like us, subscribe to us, follow our feed, and on YouTube, you can subscribe and ring that bell for, late, for the latest notifications on any new content coming at you. So we hope you have a great weekend. Please be safe out there and see you.